Hello and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip in a car stuff that has caught our eye this week. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and with me is staff journalist Tom Hello. and key contributor Byron. Hello. This week we're discussing this year's Geneva Motor Show, which isn't happening, but is. And we've got the greatest hits, so um, stand by for that. We'll look at three entries to the Cars Guide garage from the past week, and we'll catch up with a man who needs to sort out rat rods of a distinctly different kind in this week's Musquatch. Remember, you can jump ahead uh, courtesy of the time codes in the notes below, and you can click on the chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. And, and first of all, virtual Geneva. So uh, this time last year, the 2020 Geneva Motor Show ended up being cancelled because it was on the leading edge uh, of the coronavirus's uh, spread through Europe. And things, unfortunately, have not improved to the point where it can be held physically. But a whole bunch of launches of new product have kind of coalesced around this time. So it's become a virtual Geneva, really. And uh, Byron, you've been you've been looking into this, and there are more than half a dozen quite significant cars that we can we can talk about that are that we'd normally be seeing on glamorous spinning turntables mm. under hot lights. Yeah, that's right, that's right, James. And you know, maybe it's important to what's going to happen in the future. Maybe it's yeah. going to be all virtual, but which will be a shame because the Geneva Motor Show is such a significant event. It's yeah. pretty much the premier. Uh, European motor show that's on every year as opposed to the Frankfurt and Paris shows which uh, were on alternate years. Alternate years, yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and a lot of, uh, I guess it's pretty famous for being a designer, like a design-driven show, wouldn't you say, boys? Ab- absolutely. I mean, you've got Pininfarina, Batone, uh, various others. They, they traditionally use Geneva as their launching point for something exotic and and leading edge and mm. and game changing and all of that kind mm. of stuff and fun and and exactly and uh, and that's why i guess hyundai had chosen the geneva show to um to show its future vision of um mobility electric, electrification mobility in the shape of the ionic brand and more specifically the absolutely uh, in my opinion breathtaking ionic five what do you think, boys? There's an attractive car for you, isn't there? What do you think, Tom? It's awesome. It, it breaks the mold of what this kind of weird, uh, you know, SU, like giant hatch SUV sort of thing is. Um, and it looks to the past, but not blatantly so. Like, it's not as though it's referencing something so deliberately and, and so pointedly. It, it's its own design. But it, there's just elements of the past, like elements of the 80s in there. And um, somebody the other day uh, compared it to the uh, Lancia Delta from uh, the, like, 90s, which I love yeah. as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 Very much so. Uh, James, do you... It's, be- it's beautiful. I think it's, it's almost something, um, like, out of a science fiction film, but it looks emin- eminently drivable right now. You know, it's, it's brought a real freshness, um, irrespective of what's under the sheet metal, it's just a beautiful car. Yeah, yeah. I reckon this car is going to be uh, the Hyundai brand's Datsun 1600 moment where they sure. finally, I know they've had massive success, but this is a, an era-defining move, yeah. I think. And yeah. people are going to look back and go, wow, this this car has it all. It, it, it's a reason to absolutely abandon internal combustion engines and embrace electri- electrification and that yeah. sort of technology in a way that um, they probably would not have considered. So uh, I can't wait to see that car on our roads. And it's only it's true. And it's what, uh, August, September is when it's coming. Is that out? right? Yeah. That I've, right. I've already seen one in camouflage driving around Northern Sydney. Uh, but hold on, Tom, it was in camouflage. Yeah. So, I, or, no, I couldn't see it. I was, uh, I just, there was an aura. You felt it. <laughs> yes. You felt something wafting past. It is kicking around uh, in Australia. And as we know, uh, Hyundai also do a local suspension tune. And yeah. the platform for that right. car right. is really, really interesting. They, they did a, a big sort of uh, press conference on a little while ago. And it's really scalable and movable. And they said they're very excited about the potential for unconventional designs that they can put on it as Fantastic. well. So, Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, cool stuff yeah. coming out of... Um, 
Hyundai in the future, I think. And, and it, you know, electrification, as it has been in Europe for some time, is a pretty strong theme. And there were there were others, Byron. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you'd be nuts not to have that as your, your driving force, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and uh, another um, interesting car, and one for me that came out of the blue, is the... Um, the Volvo C40 40? Recharge. 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 Yeah. And that's yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's uh, Volvo's um, uh, moniker for their full electrification, battery electric vehicle, um, yeah. uh, vehicles moving forward. And yeah. the C40, uh, it references, like the Hyundai, which represent, represents, references rather the 1975 Pony, which was yeah. a Jadaro design, which yeah. of course harks back to my point about why Geneva was, show, um, was chosen. This car, the C40, references the nine, uh, 2007 C30 Coupe, which yeah. itself references the P1800. That's right. Correct. Um, that, yeah. the, the, the rear glass, the whole thing, it was really nicely done. And this oh, yeah. one's nicely done too. Yeah, it, uh, it's more a lighting element, I guess, with the, um, with the shape of the taillights. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's basically a, uh, like a short sleek roofed version of the XC40, which yep. is one of the best um, of that um, premium. And, there, and there's an XC40 recharge as well. Yeah, so we're getting that in June. This yep. car hasn't been uh, confirmed for Australia yet, but um, okay. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a certainty, you know, since it's going to be the uh, one of the glamour recharge yep. models, and we may see it as early as 2022. And correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the deal here is that there's uh, infotainment or multimedia system that's been jointly developed with Google, um, mm. and it's it's based it's pretty much exclusively on the Android operating system, but um, pretty slick. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I did the launch. No, the launch. I get the virtual thing. It was like, it was yep. held at one one a.m. Or, or some such. I wasn't actually expecting them to reveal a car. Cause it was very vague. They were like, Oh, there's a recharge experience happening and dial in at this time. So I did that. And then they're like, Oh, there's a whole car. And I really didn't expect that. I thought they were just going to talk about their plan to go full electric by 2030, but there you go. Um, did you jump at that chance when you thought 1am recharge experience? I'm joining. It sounds uh, like no, a nightclub. I think, like a I, I think um, uh, boss man, Mal Flynn, um, I think he referred to me as a semi-reformed night owl, whatever oh. that means. Um, so, yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, he can um, talk. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the car uses a, uh, like a, it looks sort of similar to what they've got now, but it's a redesigned version of uh, their operating system, I suppose you could call it. And it's all integrated with Google services. Every car will come with a SIM card. So it's sort of like Tesla. In that um, it'll be this kind of like fully integrated experience works with the dash cluster and the multimedia, the big portrait multimedia system they've got. And uh, the one in the current car is fine. It's just a little bit, you know, laggy. It's also Android based. Um, So I'm hoping that they can put a bit of a bigger processor in it and make it a little bit faster and slicker like the one in Tesla is because using a Tesla is like, that's like, yeah. You drive one of those and you go, oh, this is what multimedia and cars should be in, in 2021, you know? Like, it's fast, it's slick, it's effortless, effortlessly integrated. And I'm hoping it's like that. So that's quite exciting too. Very good. Very good. And the, to continue, um, the electric theme, uh, Byron, e-tron. Which yes, is, that's right. Which is another sub-brand, but this time from Audi. And they've, they've coughed up more product. Oh, they certainly have. So this is basically the uh, the Porsche Taycan in drag, in, in four-ring drag. Right. Um, to keep with the Mardi Gras theme this week. <laughs> <Yeah, guess>. uh, <laughs> so, yep. And, uh, like, you know, there's it, no, no surprises here. We're talking about a um, a uh, high-performance uh, Grand Tourer. Um, yep. Audi says that the big differences between it and the uh, Taycan, besides the fact that they don't, really share much sheet metal is yes. the Audi is um, a more, more of a long distance comfort orientated, um, you know, thing. Well, the Taycan of course, um, you know, prioritizes absolute performance. Right. Not to say that the, uh, the GT doesn't go cause it, you know, I think it manages a three, seven to a hundred, three seven. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, no slouch, but yeah. So that's, um, that, that was finally unveiled in production form after what must be one of the most protected, protracted yeah, gestations yeah. of any car. And, and, and Audi has been a bit of a special, talking about motor shows, of creating its own events. And they, they had their day of progress 
um, as they called it. And that's, that was the, the unveiling or the, the, the launch point mm. uh, for this thing. And that's increasingly a thing with, with automotive brands that they just want to do things irrespective of COVID, but they want to own it and not be one of many, but here's us doing our own thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, uh, and why not? I mean, that motor show was also the jumping off point for the, uh, well, it was meant to be the um, jumping off point for the new Mercedes C-Class, the w uh, and I mean, that's a huge car that um, until recently was the bread and butter car for, uh, for best, best selling, best selling Merc globally uh, over the last decade is, mm. is the C-Class. Mm. That's, that's their claim anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And now, of course, I mean, obviously it's moved to the GLC, oh, okay. um, yeah. but, and, and, and in Australia, the GLA or the A-Class base cars and GLA yeah. and the CLA and the R. No, so you find it interesting that it seems to have just gone full mini S class on the inside, the new oh, C class. How's the screen? There's, there's, you know, yeah. like we were saying, who, whoever says Tesla doesn't influence the industry is wrong because mm. that enormous screen inside the C class is a is a big clue. Mm, mm, yeah, um, and that I mean, you know, super advanced efficiency, electrification, um, as yeah. you, as you said by the screen multimedia. Uh, yeah. It I think it will solidify the C-Class's um, uh, popularity and domination of yeah. that medium segment, which a lot of people are saying, you know, it's disappearing, it's becoming irrelevant. But, you know, when the right. C-Class is the second best-selling medium-sized car after the Camry in Australia. Amazing. It, Amazing. It, and it, it's a little bit, well, not a little bit, it's 65 millimetres longer um, and a bit wider and lower. All that, that, that creep um, in terms of its dimensions and and the wheelbase is 25 millimetres longer. So they've mm. got to have some headroom. So it'll be interesting to see what happens further mm. up, the, up the line. But, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be like the size of an E-Class from just a few years I ago know. now, right? It's well, like... look, at, look at BMW's X3, X5. You know, they, the, the, the X3 now is easily the size mm. of the X5 when it arrived. So yeah. um, that kind of creep is a pretty common thing. Absolutely. But I, I think that screen and their uh, multimedia means that the latest version of their M-Bucks, M-B-U-X um, operating system will be pretty spectacular, I imagine. It's certainly something to look forward to, yeah. um, as is, of course, the uh, the other German uh, debutante, uh, which uh, is the ID Buzz by Volkswagen, which is essentially a combi uh, concept that we've seen in the past, but this one... Oh, um, so many times. So many times. I know. Yeah, the Germans yeah. really just want to make sure that we know it's coming. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, this one uh, was uh, uh, showing us the autonomous driving um, tech that this yeah. car um, espouses and you know, future Volkswagens as well. So I can't get enough of that car. I mean, oh. I, I've sat in the concept in other motor shows, you know, when I was much younger, when it first debuted. Um, <laughs> I think it was a Detroit show when I first sat in, in, in that car. So well, there were there were two versions, weren't there? And they were both called Bully initially, which is the nickname for combis um, in Germany and other places. Um, and it was just so exciting because it was a beautiful reinterpretation of that whole concept. And you thought, mm. yeah, bring it on. And it's, it's been a long gestation. But, yeah. but this um, autonomous BW, bold, bold claim, mark it down. They reckon it'll be ready for introduction for traffic use in 2025. So that that's, it's, we should, <laughs> and that's a big, like, I think Volvo said they were going to have fully autonomous level five by 2018. Yeah. So um, that's, that's another biggie. I think. Yep. It is another biggie. Um, and speaking of cars that start with B, uh, <laughs> the, the Hyundai, back to the Korean brand that seems to yep. be uh, the brand of the moment, uh, Hyundai, has also unveiled virtually the Bayon SUV. Yep. Bayon. And, and, and at this stage, you know, it's it's the light SUV, isn't it? And allegedly exclusively uh, European market. But we we know in the part like Witness Palisade, no, it's never going to come here. Um, various other vehicles. So it, it could be. It's an interesting launch um, in that context. <laughs> That's right. So this is basically uh, Hyundai's answer to the Volkswagen T-Cross and the Ford Puma and all yeah. those kind of uh, yeah. B-segment based, uh, slightly premium, if not you know, actual premium priced, um, Euro-eccentric uh, crossovers that yeah. you know the world just is going gaga for. Um, it 
you know, it's it's got some very interesting design details. Um, Thomas, I'm sure you've got a, a take on its looks. It looks almost like an MPV from the rear. Like it's it's a bit less sort of cool coupy SUV than it is like practicality box, don't you reckon? Mm. It's well, it's the, quite different in terms of its design. Hyundai is calling the the, the design language that uh, the Bayon uh, expresses sensuous sportiness. So it's the sensuous sportiness design language. Oh, car companies just they just cut keep coming out with this crap. I mean, this amazing <laughs> stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seems rated a bit PG, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. not quite G rated. Rated BS. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so that car's based on the i20 uh, Super Mini, which Hyundai, which we'll see, of course, a variation of yeah, as the N. In yes, that's right. In only. In only, yeah. which I can't yeah. wait for that one. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, um, and apparently the interior owes a little bit to the i30. So you've got a, a, you know, a mix and match. It's a kind of um, blending various things together. Yep. Um, And finally, uh, one of my favourite, well, probably one of your favourite cars uh, to debut at the Geneva show is the V8 version of the... Land Rover Defender. That's right. Land Rover Defender. Yeah. What Amazing. I mean... Uh, here we are talking about electrification, <laughs> uh, autonomy, and there's the Defender waving the flag for uh, supercharged V8 power. Um, we're talking to 386 kilowatts supercharged 5-litre V8 um, mm-hmm. in the Defender in both 90 and 110. And in Australia, stand by, hold your breath, it's going to be over $200,000. Um <sighs> $205,500 for the 110 P525. Take my card. Take my card. Sign <laughs> me up. <laughs> but well, uh, it's bound to be a, a really fun machine. Yeah, yeah. It just looks so good. And it continues to be, in my opinion, one of the best uh, retro-themed but still progressive enough to be interesting um, uh, takes on a classic model. I don't know about you, Tom, when I've seen one on the road, it really is arresting. Like, oh, there's a Defender. I find myself, you know, it really stands out from, from the, the pack. Uh, yeah. I, I find that when you, when you see it close enough, from a distance, it looks like a Discovery 4. I saw one the other day and I was like, oh, man, that's a really clean looking Discovery 4. And the closer I got, I started to really, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, <laughs> fair, a, fair call. I, I, I really enjoy the design details, particularly around the taillights. I think the way they've treated the face of it is... Super slick. They've done a, uh, in my opinion, totally subjective as always, but um, I think they've done a great job. I love it. And with that V8 engine under the mm-hmm. bonnet, it'll be huge of fun. I think the funny thing is when they the, when they first did that, like DC100, I think it was called, the, that yeah. concept, the oh, original right. concept, people hated it. And then that it, we, the concept got so old that people forgot and then they just released it as a production uh, car. Anyway, I was a fan of the DC100 when uh, when it was around. I thought, yep, if that's the way it goes, I'm all for it. But mm. anyway. Yeah, you're, you're part of the DC universe, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> Unless a character that's um, actually in Ooh. the bin. Yes, because I went straight off the drawing board into the bin. But, yeah. but okay, um, Geneva, centre of Europe, um, and it was also time for an announcement on Car of the Year, but European style. So this is this is a panel of people, uh, journalists from across Europe. I think here we go. I've got it. Fifty nine members from twenty two European countries, and they award points uh, for various cars that have been released in in the twelve months, and they came up with a winner, Byron. That's right. So uh, number two, I believe, was the Fiat E five hundred, and which is electric electric version of the next generation uh, Cinquecento, which we may or may not get. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a beautiful one. Yep. But number one was or is a car that uh, certainly has caused controversy, and, of course, that is the Toyota Yaris. Yaris. Yes. Um, I don't believe the Yaris has had quite the the price shock uh, over there that it has had here. Okay. I think uh, here it was pretty much... I wouldn't say artificially, but it was it was certainly like um, uh, pile them high and sell them cheap. Well, it, it well the, the, in this most recent one, the entry level or the entry part of the range was just taken away. There's, yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, and 
I'm driving a Yaris at the moment, uh, a base six-speed manual, three-pot. Wow, nice mode. one. Nice. Actually loving it. I um, uh, It'll be on uh, carsguide.com.au in a couple of weeks, a review, so look out for it there. But in the meantime, uh, uh, here's a picture of it because it's a very striking colour. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, the Yaris uh, wowed the European judges, and, I mean, that's that's quite a feat. You know, uh, they tend to be Euro-eccentric, the, uh, the European car of the year. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. And this follows in the footsteps of the original Yaris from 1999, which I think also won car of the year, or yes, certainly really? right up there, yes. Okay. Um, and pre- I may be wrong. I'm pretty sure that is was right up there. Um, and, yeah, the car... Uh, is hybrid pretty much only for yeah. that market, and that's yeah. where the car, you know, scores its um its your its Cody kudos. You know, three point three liters per hundred kilometer average combined cycle. You know, a little over two and a half in the urban in the urban run. Amazing sort of yeah. thing. And yeah. uh, you know, once you get past how what the Yaris now has become, two things. Um, come to mind one it is really a brilliant car but two i reckon toyota should have changed the name if they had just changed the name to something else even if they went back to starlord or you know that sort of thing or, or uh what about the jdm name vits vits yeah <laughs> putting on the vits um if they if they did that yeah. uh it, people may have been a bit more receptive for it to it in australia but i'm glad it won uh euro car year because cool. it's a damn fine car excellent that's very good so there we go, a, a virtual Geneva show and um, a, a car of the year from, from Europe at the same time. It does pose that question about the future of motor shows. I mean, in days past, it was about people turning up and having a look at cars that they might not otherwise have a chance to see. I think the internet, the web has changed all of that. People can have a virtual view of whatever they want, experience, configurators, go through the car in, in minute detail. Um, and then the dealer experience is probably much better than it's ever been. So it's almost like the, the motor shows for consumers has been squeezed in the middle. Um, they still have a role as a, as a kind of megaphone for the launch of new product and concepts and what have you. But it seems as though that can be effectively done online as well. It's, it's um, a, probably a pretty rocky path ahead, I've got to say, for, for international motor shows. Yeah, let's hope that that doesn't end up transpiring, though, because... You know, the reason why I'm here today is because I went to my first motor show when I was a primary school kid down here in yep. Melbourne. Yeah, I, I it was. I felt like uh, Charlie Bucket did when he entered the gates of Willy Wonka's <laughs> factory. It was just and, whoa. Oh, and I still the, the other thing is just to talk shop for a sec. Is as a journalist, it's a terrific opportunity to capture someone who's very senior in a car brand who is not necessarily conscious of Australia's uh, place in the globe. And you can put a question to them and uh, extract some rather interesting information relevant to, to our market when they may not be aware. It's, it's great just to speak to people in those, in those businesses. Very much so. Um, I, I totally agree. It is a great opportunity to earn freak of fly points. So <laughs> please, please don't stop the motor shows. <laughs> We will move on from there. We'll move on from that very glamorous virtual garage <laughs> to, to our own much more uh, physical one. And, Tom, you've nominated a car that you've had experience with in different forms um, recently. Please fill us in. I think I'm on my fourth Subaru XV for this year now. Um, I've had, uh, I had two at the beginning of the year and I've had two now. So I've driven a top spec. I've driven the hybrid top spec as well. Perfect. And yep. uh, I've now driven the premium, which is sort of at the lower end of the mid spec. So there's two mid specs and it's like the lower one. Um, but I, I actually quite like the XV and I've always liked it, even though uh, we all know that the, the engine leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and sadly, that continues to be true for the hybrid. Um, I just think it's 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 capable. Um, it's sort of nice to drive. Like it's comfortable. The interior quality is really good. The interior design is really good. The multimedia is really good. And uh, as long as you avoid the base model, the safety is all standard. So it's uh, it's a nice little SUV to drive. And I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of Australians. And that's I think the case for a lot of Subarus. Really, right. I don't know. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um... 
unfortunately, word association for me with XV is kind of breathless. That it's mm. it's not, and and that's become that's sort of hung around with the XV uh, for some time. But the the point that interests me is what difference have you noticed between the hybrid and non-hybrid in terms of fuel economy? Is it dramatic? Is it you know a big difference or or not? It's not nothing. I'll I'll, okay. I'll put it that way. Uh, the the hybrid will save fuel compared to a normal one mm. or even a rival that uses a naturally aspirated two liter engine. So it, it's not as though it doesn't save fuel, but the, the, I think the real hurdle for that car is the fact that the Corolla really, really saves fuel. Like, like a rival wow. like that, a proper full on, you know, Toyota hybrid will save a lot more fuel um, yeah. to the point where it's like half, right? Like, like a Corolla, yes. you can get it down to almost half in the hybrid, what you can in the, the two liter. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, it, it, the, I think the hybrid doesn't really make up its price differential. Um, it, it's a little bit nicer to drive just because it has that smooth kind of, um, little bit of electric torque when you, when yep. you get going and it's, I've noticed yep. it's a little bit quieter in the cabin as well, because the engine perhaps doesn't have to try quite as hard as it does in the, in the two liter version, but you know, the, it does. The, it doesn't make sense on the maths, I think. Um, but that doesn't make it any less sort of, uh, you know, nice to drive. And it, it, it's, I suppose, a worthy entrant into the XV range. Cool, cool. Have you had any recent um, XV experience, Byron? Uh, yes, I recently did a, uh, a review, an urban guide review for us uh, in yep. in that car, and I, I I completely agree with Tom's assessment. Um, with the facelift, which came out uh, late last year, they did add a bit more um, refinement to the car, a bit more sound deadening, and I think they softened the or changed the suspension to so it'd be a little bit more supple. My, uh, I completely uh, concur that the car needs just a bit more oomph, but um, I also thought that it rode too stiffly in the past. So mm. the, the, the minor changes they made to the suspension, plus just that little bit more electric torque um, assistance, has, in my mind, um, improve the car greatly. Great, um, great. very good. Mm. good. And, and I, love the, I love the looks. I mean, that car is another car that sells on design, I reckon. People love the look. They love the shape and the reputation. I, yeah. I, I just wish I had a turbo. It, I, I, think turbo I think that's it. I think the shape, it makes so much sense, right? Because it, it's just an attractive hatchback that's been lifted up. And that's the sort of the genius of Subaru's whole range is that it, they don't build SUVs, even though they're a really successful SUV builder. They build like wagons that have been lifted and a hatchback yes. that's been lifted. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's sort of that kind of traditional people are looking for that really practical body shell they get the all-wheel drive they get all the safety and they look good so yeah. you know i think it i think it's not to be underestimated either that people probably when they're doing their shopping they've got their list and I, I'm, I need one that's economical and uh, it's got to be safe and uh, i want the servicing to be you know really affordable then they go in the showroom oh i love that that looks great you can't <laughs> you can't kind of take the emotion out of the equation yeah. That people aren't drawn towards buying an ugly car. They want a car that is appealing um, visually. So th th it's, a, it's an emotional purchase, and, and that is a big ace up the XV sleeve. Mm. Yeah, um, I think so too. I was talking to um, Subaru about the colours as well. Yeah, the XV yeah. is just available in all sorts of like wacky and wonderful yeah. colours. Um, they said it, it's just like that, mar like where we market that car. You know, just you know, younger people or people who are looking for something more fun and adventurous, they want those colors. Whereas you get to something like the Outback and it's available in like five shades of gray, and that's yeah. it. You know, yeah, it's silver, like, black, charcoal. Yeah, white. yeah. Mm. <laughs> now, um, um, that's good. Cool. Thank you, Tom. Um, Byron, we will swap to your good self, and we're going to extract one from your automotive portfolio. You do have a substantial collection vehicles please bring us up to speed with one of your more recent acquisitions thank you uh during the uh, prolonged pro lockdown here in melbourne it gave me a uh, <laughs> ample time to uh peruse the burgeoning used car market and i think i got in just in time with my 1996 mazda ba astina so this yes. is so this is a car that uh pretty much broke Mazda in the early 1990s when it was released in 1993. Yeah. Um, it was meant to be a premium. Um, some say it was meant to wear the Amati luxury brand badge that yep. uh, 
that was going to be Maz's take on the Lexus back in the day. Yep. That was abandoned at the 11th hour. Yeah. So the Mazda Astina was meant to be uh, pretty much a proto Audi A3 slash Mercedes A-Class style um, compact luxury hatch uh, with a performance edge. And to that end, uh, they got a Porsche, an ex-Porsche designer who um, had a hand in cars like the 928 and 944, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of thing really appeals to me. Uh, if you look at the, you know, particularly the silhouette and the and the nose of the uh, this particular car, which was known as a 323F uh, in other markets, as well as right. the... Um, Oh, I forgot what the other name of the car was, but anyway, uh, it's uh, it's purely Lantis? Lantis. Lantis. That's right. Thank you. Yes, yes. the the, yes. the Master Lantis. Um, it, I think its design is really held up well. Um, mm. It's uh, it's actually not built on the three two three familiar platform, uh, which m- most people, including me, thought was the case. It's um, it's based on a now defunct platform that uh, that underpinned the Unos five hundred. Which I'm certain you might recall was. I um, did. Yeah, that was BMW 3 Series rivaling um, yeah. effort yeah. from Mazda uh, uh, back in the early 90s. This was yeah. meant to be, um, you know, it's, it used some of its engine technology and certainly its platform and its suspension. And anyway, nowadays it's a bit of a curio, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I think it's going to be one of those um, sleeper cars that people will start collecting and you know as Mazda's prominence in Australia continues to be solidified I think people will um will become you know cognizant of what this car represented and uh, what it uh, what it meant for a brand that um over invested became part of Ford broke away and is now again To, to me it's a car that's like at the top of one of the hills in the roller coaster ride that is Mazda if if Mazda was a person it'd be this almost bipolar kind of, I'm so enthusiastic today, I'm just on fire. And they would go up to this massive peak of design extremity and getting really bold and then, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> we're losing yeah. money hand over fist and we've got to be more conservative. And then, oh, we're getting some money in the bank. Oh, we're going to go very, very exciting again. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, it was one of those cars. It was on a peak. Absolutely. Mine's um, a, the 1.8 four-cylinder petrol engine. There was also a two-litre V6. Yes. Which- so there you know, was, so there no, was. No talk, which, um, which kind of um, gives away the UNOS 500 connection because that also had a small... It was in uh, the 30X as well, wasn't it? That's Unos. right, yeah. Although, the th- weirdly, the 30X was not based on that platform. So that <laughs> massive <laughs> proliferation. And uh, finally on this car, you may recall, not only is it was there a lift back like my car, but there was also the hard top. Which uh, looked great. Oh, yeah. They're really cool. Um terribly space inefficient. Um, and you will recall this because uh, you were um, a motoring journalist during this time as well, James, that the car was not really much more than a, than a two plus two seater, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I lost out on that. Styling won the day, for, uh, form over function. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. but to finish off with that particular car, yeah. um, I've, par- I've parked in such a way that I see it every morning when I uh, open the front door. <laughs> And I just drink in those design details. I think it's just, it's one of those, one of those um, underrated classics that Great. I think is on the, on the verge of becoming something special. Fantastic. Good. Well, we'll watch that space and see if um, you've made a, you know, it'll be a superannuation, Byron, <laughs> obviously. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, chip in quickly on a couple of different points. I've been driving the Merck AMG GLB35. So it's that two-litre turbo four, 225 kilowatts, 400 newton metres, which is close to the first A45 um, in terms of outputs and what have you. Um, Eight-speed dual-clutch, all-wheel drive, just under $90,000 before you put it on the road. Um, And I really am drawn to that whole A35, CLA35 um, as a a distinct model all of its own. Not the full house fire-breathing, but it has some performance edge to it. It's quick. Um, 0 to 100, 5.2 seconds, um, and it and really has a very strong mid-range. The interior is beautiful, that widescreen co- cockpit I, I love in Mercs. I'm a fan. I know some people aren't. Um, it steers nicely. It's well-equipped. It's very thoughtful, seven-seater, and there are USBs everywhere, that kind of thing, just, just thinking about the people that are going to use it. But in this car, in the, in the GLB, I didn't find it as refined as I'd like it to be. 
um, the, the pickup from step off was not as fast and it wasn't particularly smooth. And even in gear, the power delivery isn't, isn't non-linear, it, it, it is non-linear rather. Um, it's almost patchy. You get a bit of rollback too on the dual clutch. Um, things that you be, could become very annoying over time. Um, it's 1.8 tonnes. So for a, for a relatively small car, that's a fair bit. Um, you've got the ride control damping, but it's just a bit bumpy running on 20s, 20-inch uh, rims with some uh, surprisingly high-performance Michelin Pilot 4, uh, Pilot Sport 4s on it. Um, I'm just not as convinced of the, the 35 scenario um, in this package, which is odd because I thought it would be um, just as enjoyable um, as the others. But it, it, it wasn't horrible, don't get me wrong, but it, it just wasn't quite as convincing. Um, Do you think it makes some concessions to the fact that it's like the GLB is, is more of a practicality-based vehicle yeah. and they haven't sort of gone into it from the perspective of, oh, yeah, we're going to make it a total firecracker, right? Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's as if, oh, this sounds very disrespectful, but it's if it's not finished. I think it needed <laughs> a little more, you know, just a little more development time um, in this particular body. Um, that's just my take on it. I think um, it looks great. Oh, I, it's I remember a great when they car. It's a great when they re, when they released the first pictures of it. I mean, we all we also created around a com computer in the office and thought, oh, oh, I don't know, it's a bit awkward. And then you see one in real life, and it looks fantastic. Yeah, 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 definitely. But look, I, I want to skip on to the second part of in our garage for for mine, because uh, fearless leader Mal and I went to the Sydney Harbour Concorde de d'Elegance. Um, last night and there were some amazing cars there uh, we were guests of mclaren and they showed their elba show car which is that open top roadster style uh thing incredible jack brabham's 1966 championship winning um repco brabham bt19 was there like a, a multi multi-million dollar uh thing kuntash's 911s mercs rollers jags but the thing that absolutely caught my imagination was a sydney county council eh van um, recreation, uh, it absolutely took the cake. This thing was perfect. So um, if <laughs> it's so, so beautiful. It's finished in a colour called Silver Pine Green, which was uh, exclusive to Sydney County Council. It's sign written with their in-period uh, positioning, which is live better electrically. Um, and the person who undertook the restoration of this van got in touch with the current New South Wales energy provider, which I think is AGL or Energy Australia, one of those. And they actually have an archive and they had all of this equipment that would typically be in one of these vans and they gave it to him. He, he's got the, um, the fitment on the roof for a ladder and the ladder is an original Sydney County Council um, ladder. And it's just the most beautiful car He's created it as what he would see as a rapid response vehicle. So he's got a 179 with, you know, twin carbs on it. He's lowered a little bit. So it's his vision of what would be, look, it's an emergency. We need to get the rapid response car out there. And I couldn't take my eyes off it. Surrounded by all of these amazing cars, this is the one that absolutely caught my attention. It was, it was oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you with that sort of thing, that sort of reimagining of, something oh. that you saw a lot when you were younger or, you know, you just uh, just caught your eye, that, that, that sort of thing is, oh. I, I, I'm, I'm right with you there. Uh, <laughs> did, you put a, did you put a, um, did you put a bit on it or, or something? No, like that? no, Jones he's there? not. He owns many Holdens and he's done other mm. things. Like he has a, a Dodge van that's also in uh, Sydney County Council electricity kind of colours. He's, he's got a theme going. And uh, he's a very, very nice guy. And the car is a tribute to him. It's absolutely perfect. It's a beautiful recreation. The back of it, even the wooden kind of um, uh, cabinetry in the back that holds all of these various bits and pieces, that came from the archive as well. And he, he put it into the car. Really exceptional. Anyway, for people on YouTube, there'll be a picture of it and uh, you can see what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, I almost, someone that had a Chimera, very similar to that colour. That was also a New South Wales government green yeah. and, uh, in a wagon. And I wish I bought it. I was just, it's one of my regrets. So I'm well, right Ma with you Mal, there, brother. Mal thought 
it was salt bush green, like his EH, but it's this silver pine green, which was exclusive um, to the Sydney County Council. And the Sydney County Council head office was right near the Pagewood plant in Sydney. So various components, like I think he said the chassis came from Adelaide and then mm. all these things were brought together and the car was assembled and just delivered. The build plate has a special code that says the car is a Sydney County Council car. Um, that's how close the relationship yeah. was. I'm not surprised Mal thought that because he probably had enough bush city limits in his head and he thought <laughs> salt bush. <laughs> you, know, you know what he's like? He's just, he just goes on a tangent and yeah. that's why we love him. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll move on and quickly cover off some feedback that we had on, on last week's show. And that was all about the Ram 1500 TRX or T-Rex, as it's increasingly becoming known. And our old mate, uh, Lofty Visions, and I hope Lofty Jr. is doing well, uh, Lofty. Um, he says, meh, great tow vehicle, but just screams massive bell end. I'd be embarrassed driving that monstrosity. So he's made his thoughts very, very clear. Are you allowed to say that on, on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Bellin, bellin, bellin. Bellin, 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 bellin. But on the other side of the coin, Raucus919 says, oh, no, 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 he's actually with Lofty. I beg your pardon. TRX at $180,000 versus Land Cruiser 200 Ute chopped at $180,000. The market is out there. So he's saying that there are a lot of people spending big money on customising their Land Cruisers and other kind of commercial type vehicles so he's all for it and mm-hmm. as does eddie fuentes he says yeah trx yes please awesome tow vehicle etc tgv says uh you know the, the very fast train uh, lol the trx um that said it is a tip of the hat to ford since ford had that factory performance truck market all to itself since 2010 just wait for the f-150 raptor r and i wasn't aware of the f-150 raptor r but did a bit of digging it's going to be a, potentially a supercharged 5.2-litre V8 from the Mustang Shelby GT500. So this thing will be 567 kilowatts, which is 760 horsepower. Wow. Um, and that, and that um, deserves the TRX name, James and Thomas. And <laughs> as you know, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? I mean, you know, greats like the Bluebird TRX. Bluebird TRX. Yeah. You know, not the yeah. Pintara. Not, not the Pintara. Um, Something, yeah, something tells me, though, that you would rather have a Defender V8 for oh, that money. Defender V8, absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. but TGV makes the valid point that he thinks that the GMC Hummer EV will actually make the Raptor and TRX extinct, um, as they have been previously, so that's a fair point. But he doesn't think that Cybertruck stands a chance of passing Australian ADRs, and you've got, you've got to uh, agree with him on that. Um, now, the other thing was... Stuart Marler got in touch, um, and it was in reference to a comment that was made uh, the previous week about uh, the WRX, and CIM crew had said, look, finally the WRX matches the 1996 Evo 4 in power, and that was because um, Subaru is gunning for, for a, the little AMGs with you know, around 300 kilowatts, and I'd made the rookie error of saying that the Evo 4 was 206 kilowatts, Forgetting that, of course, that number was part of the Japanese gentleman's agreement where um, a power figure no higher than 206 kilowatts was going to be advertised. And cars like the GTR, for example, fell into that basket. And, all and the cars, NSX as well. I think. NSX. All yeah, of a sudden, yeah. they were developing 206 kilowatts. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he makes the valid point, Stuart makes the valid point that the Evo 4 probably had closer to 300 um, kilowatts. So thank you very much for pulling me up on that, Stuart. And, and just to round it out, Hammer Rock said, did you guys piss off YouTube or something? For some reason, your videos, new or old, are no longer showing under my subscriptions view, or is it just me? And um, look, we, we do have a current um, a kind of a, a problem with YouTube in terms of the way our videos are being served. So you're absolutely right. So to anybody watching on YouTube on this one, thank you doubly uh, for tuning in because you've managed to find us. So thank you very much. Oh, and please send to... donations to James Cleary's. <laughs> but we're going to get it sorted. We're going to get it sorted. I'm um, kidding. Don't send any donations. As quickly as, quickly as we can. But um, right now, for many, the most significant part of our podcast, Musk Watch. Um, now... This is very interesting. Um, Elon was on Twitter 
And he said, creating the city of Starbase, Texas. He's moved all of the various things to Texas. You know, because, of course, he's going to call a city Starbase. Um, and he says, and thence to Mars and hence the stars and all that kind of stuff. But Jim Hall, in one of the comments, said, Elon, can we do something about the lack of full self-driving in these rat cars? And I thought, what on earth is this? And it was, it's now this, had a video that is these rats learned how to drive tiny cars made out of plastic bottles and were less stressed as a result. And for people on YouTube, you'll be able to see vision of these rats steering little cars. 17 rats, University of Richmond in Virginia. They had an aluminium floor, copper wires on the front for a steering wheel. So as they pressed on these different wires, it steered and went forward and rewarded for driving the cars with Fruit Loops. So there was a massive reward um, involved in the training. They examined the rat's poop for two hormones associated with stress, corticosterone, which is a marker of stress, and DHEA, which is a buffer that counteracts stress. And training to drive made the rats less stressed. And compared to rats in another study that were passengers in a remote control car, um, the driving rats in the study were less stressed. So you have greater control over your environment, delivers this self-efficacy or agency in humans, and rat brains are an appropriate model for human brains, according to these scientists, white coat boffins. So, you know, autonomous driving may actually stress us out because we're, we're lacking control. And I think Elon does need to get that uh, in hand. I don't know what you guys make of that. That's what I think. Can you see what I'm holding up? Yeah. What have you got? Free? You're, you're blurring into your background a little bit. What does it say? Free the Elon rats. <laughs> oh, my God. Elon's control. There you go. Free the Elon rats. Thank yes. you very much. Thank you. That's what um, I think. Why? They're well, enjoying driving on their little test circuit. It's, it's a yeah, no, I, suppose, I suppose if you, you, know, you enjoy your prisoner. There are a lot better than so, some, some Something in there like, about this dystopian future that we live in. Um, I mean, he, but, he's better than certain people I've seen in the Westfield Cup, Mark, I must tell you. I've also seen a, a video. Someone, someone taught, I think it was like two, two, uh, one or two dogs to drive oh, and they had that, them on that, a little test course and it's like they, a little, little terrier with a big moustache. That is like the most the genius thing. It was the... Um, it was a New Zealand campaign to encourage people to adopt dogs rather than buying uh, a pup from a breeder and to show how brilliant these uh, pound dogs were. They taught them to drive. So they taught them to drive minis and uh, the adoption rate for, for dogs from the pound went through the roof. It was just the most charming thing. Um, yeah, so I might get some footage of that and we'll see if we can put that up as well. But just turning to my dog, to you listening, Lana? Lana, yep, I'm <laughs> <laughs> gonna jump in that Mazda Astina and learn to drop. get out of here. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, through the week, Elon achieved a pretty amazing thing and he tweeted, Starship SN10 landed in one piece. So, this was actually SpaceX doing a high altitude flight test on this Starship, which is going to allegedly go to the moon and then onto, the, onto Mars and all this kind of stuff. It was about 14 minutes, and it was actually amazing, to me anyway. I seriously thought the landing footage particularly was CGI, but it was real. And this thing put itself and parked itself back on the ground after going up to high altitude. And then a few minutes later, of course, it did blow up um, in, in spectacular fashion. <laughs> but I, I thought it was amazing. Um, Although Bud, who commented on Twitter, said, would be nice if all the world's billionaires banded together, put their egos aside and helped solve a lot of Earth's problems before firing rockets into space. Oh. So that's like a slap on the hand for you, Jeff Bezos and, and mm -hmm. Elon doing all their space stuff. Yeah. But uh, oh, wow. it, it was particularly spectacular, I thought. How prescient for you to say that, James, with, you know, David Bowie here, the star man himself. The star man. And yeah. he's, well, the star man in Elon's uh, roadster, I think that was playing on loop for as long as it could when he rocketed his, uh, his car off into the cosmos. Um, so a very apt connection. You're absolutely right. But the, the Tesla share price, it is once again down, down $89. It's six hundred and fifty-three dollars twenty. It was seven hundred and forty-two last week, and that, as I say, the fourth week running. Now, the Motley Fool says that yes, it's been hard hit. It fell four point eight percent, 
But that's primarily because the whole market is moving down, um, but it weighs heavily on volatile stocks like Tesla. So it's been hit a little harder than, than you might think, but that's been a really strong trend recently. But the heat has come off uh, the Tesla share price. So there you go. Um, and with that, I think we have reached the finish line. And I want to say thank you, Byron. Thank you. I love being here. So, And thank you, Tom. Thank you. Good. And thank you to our in-house bread scientist, bride kidnapping expert, and corporate exorcist, Mr. Pritchard, for his incredible work on the buttons and sliders. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, this is Bob. Bob has no arms. Knock, knock. Who is it? It isn't Bob. Bubbling beer shorts and underpants gloves. I think they're actually Y-fronts um, on both hands. It's an arresting ensemble. Um, let us know your thoughts. You can find Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. If you're an Apple podcast listener, please rate and review us. Remember, you can also watch us on YouTube. And if you are already, make sure you subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel, uh, niggles notwithstanding, so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, mate of mine was pulled over during the week. Cop says, look, you're wandering out of your lane, so I need you to blow into this breathalyzer tube. Old mate says, sorry, officer, I can't do that. I'm an asthmatic and I'd be risking a severe asthma attack. Okay, fine. I'll have you transferred to the station for a blood test. Um, I have to refuse that as well, I'm afraid, because I'm a haemophiliac. If I do that, I may bleed uh, to death. Well, then we'll take a urine sample. I'm sorry, officer, I can't do that either. I'm also a diabetic. I know if I do that at this time of day, my blood sugar will likely drop to a dangerously low level. Um, all right, then, I need you to step out of the vehicle so I can conduct a motor skills test. I can't do that either, officer. Why not? Because I'm drunk. 